whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. Karen Pennington here, and I have to admit I've been struggling a little lately because I feel like some of my posts have kind of been downers, like a lot of be careful, beware, here's how you shouldn't mess up, here's how someone messed up, here's the consequence, and <laughs> I I think the reason is that I do these real-time posts. I don't really search for scripture each day other than I'm just reading chronologically through like maybe three, four different um, Bible books at the same time and as they occur to me almost always it's kind of as they occur to me just in my regular reading through the guided reading through the scriptures and I've been reading first and second kings and first and second chronicles and probably the reason is they can be kind of downer books to be honest because chronicles is almost totally about the kings of Israel which as you may remember are the northern kingdom um Israel split as of its fourth king, uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, Israel split into the northern kingdom of Israel, which was ten of the tribes in the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kingdom split up from, split off, became its own nation. They took the name Israel. But it was just one mess up after another, you know, from the very first king that God said, okay, I'm going to let you have these tribes, Jeroboam, I mean, it was bad. It's like the almost the best you could say about any of the kings of Israel is they followed Jeroboam, and he was not good. He he promoted idolatry, and he was so afraid of people returning back to Judah that he forsook his God. He's like, well, if we if we if we serve the same God, then maybe maybe they'll go away from me and go back to Judah. So instead, he messed up. He basically messed up the whole nation's future until a couple hundred years later when they were finally sacked by Assyria. Well, so I just keep hearing of these mistakes, people, mistakes, 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 specifically in First and Second Kings. And then you have David, who was a good king, but he made some pretty big mistakes. He did stuff that would be, would have put him in prison for his entire lifetime if he did it in America. And, I mean, they're not little. And Solomon, the same thing, he just lost his way, he got very vain. And it just over and over and over again. And then it was depressing because when you think about stuff in the Bible, it's like, in a way, it's happy because God uses people in their brokenness. But in a way, it's like, geez, does anybody live right? <laughs> Did anybody not like like this huge mistake, like Paul being a mass murderer? I mean, for heaven's sakes, Peter, the head of the church, cut off a dude's ear. I mean, is there anybody who just doesn't do these insane things you know and so this is what caught me in the middle of all this I'm now on first chronicles 24 and I'm looking at who the priests were now the priests didn't always do great things you know uh, in fact Aaron's two first two sons Nadam and Abihu who were meant to be the religious leaders of the Israelites they were killed by God himself because they messed up so royally but what I never noticed 
is their two younger brothers did such an amazing job. You don't know their name, but their name, when you look at it in the Bible, was connected with so much faithfulness because that's how faithful they were. And what really stuck out to me was that as David set aside, these are now the descendants of Aaron's younger two sons because his older two sons died without even having an heir. So the descendants of this high priest Aaron's younger son were set up to be leaders. And it was Eleazar and, Eleazar and Ithamar. And this is what they said. First of all, it, Eleazar had twice as many leaders as Ithamar did. And what it said here was, this is First Chronicles 24.5. They divided both groups by lot because there were holy leaders, even outstanding leaders, among both Eleazar and Ithamar's descendants. So I'm going to read that again. It's really easy to overlook, and I've overlooked it many times. They divided both groups by lots because there were holy leaders, even outstanding leaders, above, among both Eliezer and Ithamar's descendants. Here's the deal. Can you think of any other place in Scripture where the problem was too many godly leaders? In most cases, they'd be happy to have one, right? But these peoples, these, these sons of Aaron, they were such godly leaders, and I'll show you other places, that not only did they affect their own generation and the generation after them, but four to five hundred years later, four to five hundred years later, they had such an overabundance of godly, excellent leaders that they were having a problem choosing who would be the most in control? You know, this is like uh, this is like having so many awesome candidates that you can't figure out who do we exclude. So they had to cast lots just because they didn't know what to do with how many great leaders they are. Um, now this really hits me right now because I am about to start a job in a public school that has had such a shortage in teachers. I'm filling in a gap um, for up to a year. Uh, because they didn't have anybody apply for this teacher's job. Now, I have a background in education, but I don't, I'm not a certified school teacher, you know. And, and I mean, that's okay. Uh, but they searched and searched and searched and searched and searched, and there are so many open positions that people don't even apply for that if they're taking someone that they think can do the job, and and I'll do okay, but on any other year, I wouldn't have even thought to apply but they're so needy that and that's usually what kind of Israel was like it's like we'll take whoever we can get and we'll work with them and we'll you know and a lot of times good leaders come from very unlikely places I, I have taught this particular subject before in this school as a shorter term substitute and that's why they called me and so I'm confident I'll be able to do it I'll have to work a little harder you know but I, I'm sure it'll be good but what I'm saying is I think that's usually the case. The case, I cannot think of another time in scripture where there were so many godly people and so many good people that they couldn't figure out what to do with them, right? And they were direct descendants of Ithamar and Eleazar. Um, I wonder what it would have been like if the brothers would have descended. And I think maybe, maybe if we back up a little bit and see the whole story of how they got to be in charge instead of big brothers, Maybe we can understand a little bit. 
Um, but I'll shoot to the punch here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a tour of the Pentateuch, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Well, a little bit after the Pentateuch. Numbers 31, 31. Eliezer ended up being the high priest after his brothers were shot down by God and his father eventually died, Father Aaron. And it said, Moses, so Moses, so Moses and Eliezer, the priest, did as the Lord commanded. It was that simple. It was that simple. And we'll go back and look a little about this. Eliezer obeyed. How powerful is obedience? His brothers didn't. Let's look a little bit behind. Okay, so stay with me here. We're going to take you on a tour. First Chronicles 24. Originally, originally, Eliezer and Ithamar, particularly Eliezer, was not meant to be the one running the show. It would have been his older brothers. He would have helped out. But And his older brothers did a lot of cool stuff. I know a lot of us think of Moses being the only one who saw God, but according to Exodus 24, this is not it. And this is the, my paper version is NIV 1984, so this is even an older version. So forgive me if some of the language is not as gracious as, <laughs> as it is in some of the newer translations. But um, so when Moses went up to see God, it says Moses and Aaron... Nadab and Abihu, that's his oldest two sons, and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel under his feet. Under his feet was something like pavement made of sapphire, clear as the sky itself. So they saw the God of Israel, but God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. That's a huge thing. They saw God and they didn't die. Do you know how few people in the Old Testament got to do that? They physically saw him. And this is Exodus 24, 9 to 11. They saw God and they didn't die. That means they were set about for something really exceptional. And then Moses, this is verse 18, went and entered the cloud up on the mountain. Joshua was with him, was right around the place, and he stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So Aaron immediately messes up <laughs> and he gets, this is uh, Leviticus 10, and while Moses is up for 40 days after the people had said to Moses, we'll do everything God says, after Aaron had seen God in person, after Aaron's children, two oldest children had seen God in person, Aaron messed up. And he created a calf out of a bunch of old earrings. Still kills me. And then didn't take responsibility for it. He blamed the people and said, I threw in the gold and out jumped a calf. I mean, talk about childish. And he could have died. He should have died. God probably would have killed him, but Moses interceded. So really the reason Aaron wasn't dead himself was probably because of the intercession of Moses. But so Aaron repented. He's a little tainted now, you know. Um, but then it talks a little bit later as the priest, right, right, as the priest, right at the beginning of the priest ministry, it says we're now in Leviticus 9. It talks about the fire of the Lord. I was talking about fire and understanding and misunderstanding, this is where it came from. It says, Moses, uh, Moses, Leviticus 9, 23 to 24. Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. 
Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw that, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Notice, Moses and Aaron didn't create the fire. They invoked it. They couldn't control the fire if they tried. They invoked it. And God showed his presence and God showed his likeness. And honestly, it was probably a pretty cool show. And thus was the problem. Very, very, very next verse. This is Leviticus 10.1. Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. They offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. Can you see this? I'm seeing like... Honestly, I'm seeing Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the beginning of the first um, Fellowship of the Ring thing where there are these two little hobbits who see all these cool fireworks that the great Gandalf is putting off and they start messing with them themselves and they're messing with stuff they don't understand. Native and Abihu saw a good show, right? They saw God's presence come down and they're like, this is cool, we want to do this. So they tried to show off instead of obeying. Ever done that? Have we ever decided, let me go do this myself. This is cool. Why don't I just fabricate this thing for you? It's happened. Tower of Babel, it happened. People try to show off and be God themselves and they get, it doesn't end well, guys, when we try to do, I'm not saying I don't do, I do it too. I try to complicate things so that I could look and feel good about myself. And all it does is complicate things, you know, it doesn't end well. But in this case, you know, it's starting maybe to come clear to me a reason I'm going, why would you? I mean, Aaron offered a calf. He didn't die. For the whole people, Nadab and Abihu, they didn't. I mean, they just started a fire, right? So why? And then I'm thinking about it. First two. First, first thing. These were going to be the head leaders of Israel, and they were not showing at the very foundation proper reverence for God and God's power. So while I'm not God, and I definitely don't want to make the call for life and death, to me, just in my human understanding, it makes sense to me that the existence of two people who are trying to fabricate their own godly power would not be helpful, could lead to death of an entire nation. I mean, Aaron already almost messed it up. Maybe God's going, not again, not again. <laughs> so your dad already did this. And so they were cut off. And instead, their younger brothers, Eleazar and Ithamar, became the people that would soon be the chief priests. Uh, now, I looked through. Eleazar is mentioned over and over and over and over again. I don't know why I didn't notice this before. Um, there is never that I can see or find a negative thing. There's never something that Eleazar did that was out of line. I'm sure there was, but... Not in the scriptures. Now, there are a few scriptures that talked about people for like one verse and didn't say anything bad about them. Enoch. He was no more. You know, he didn't die. He went straight to heaven. Okay, so that's one. Then um, maybe the pair of Jabez, because he just said, enlarge my territory. So sometimes when people are mentioned for one or two or three verses, they're just mentioned in a good light. But almost never in the Bible is someone mentioned over a series of chapters and there's not at least one huge mistake. Even Joshua made a treaty. He was a good man, man of God. He made a treaty with the Gibeonites, which messed with them all the way through the reign of David, you know, all the way of Saul and David. 
and caused plagues and all that. And it wasn't supposed to be had because he forgot to consult God first. Josiah, possibly, most arguably, the best king in Israel. Some people say David was. But maybe more purity of heart there. And he died because he went into battle against Pharaoh Necho and didn't consult God first. And so he died. Uh, and so there's a couple other ones. Jonathan, maybe or maybe not, but he did. One might have argued he made some battle mistakes. But So there are these people. These They're mentioned over four or five different books. Mentioned over Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. And then also in Chronicles. And beyond. They mention a lot of books. And there's never a time where there was, been, there was a huge misstep. On their part, there was one at the end of chapter 10 of Leviticus where Moses called into question one of their sacrifices, but then it was cleared up. There was a good reason for it. And so not even that was wrong. So so this guy specifically, Eliezer, was the chief priest. He was there with Moses as Moses made his decisions. Often, um, a lot of places, I'm in the wrong place for this. I'm looking everywhere. I'm so sorry. I'm everywhere today. Um, numbers 26, 27, 31. You can look it up. But just look up Eliezer. Um, they, they're often, often he and his brother both, but definitely he is standing next to Moses, even before Aaron passed on, and part of these decisions that Moses is making. And because Eliezer was younger, when they left Egypt, you'll remember that nobody over a certain age was permitted to enter the promised land, including Moses, because of the unbelief of their people. So that means that Eliezer would have been younger because he not only went into the promised land, he helped claim it, and he did. He was fighting alongside Joshua. We give a lot of credit to Joshua as being an amazing military leader, and, and he was, and being a godly man, and he was. But in a lot of these scriptures, Eliezer was standing right alongside him. Eliezer was the spiritual leader who was guiding Joshua as the political leader. They were just trusting each other and trusting God. What kind of lesson is that? You know, how powerful is it when one leader decides to bow to God? How much more powerful is it if two people can agree on it, you know? How powerful would it be if all the governors, even one of the governors, yeah, if some of our governors or chief leaders or chief executives in a city and state were absolutely sold out Christians, not about making everyone agree with them, but about following God's principles and letting that speak for itself, how much more powerful if the executive and judicial branch were together? You know, or if two of the three branches were together. Well, let me tell you how powerful it was in this case. Joshua. Now, another thing is Eliezer was the one who helped Joshua assign the different lands. So that's a huge legacy. And here it is. Joshua 24, 31. Second powerful thing. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So, book of Judges. If you had a decent judge... Israel would serve God for the lifetime of that judge. Then the judge would die and they'd forget and everything would fall apart again. 
a lot of the kings, like Josiah, phenomenal king. Then when he died, every single one of his three children, three of his sons, had a shot at being a king. Every single one of them messed it up royally. Literally, messed it up royally because they were kings. In this case, not only was jo were Joshua and Eliezer good leaders, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. So anybody who was under his authority, the chiefs that were under his authority during time of his life, um, were, were people who served the Lord. But here's something I didn't see. It talked about Joseph Bones. It talked about Joshua being buried. And then just a few verses later, this is Joshua 24, 33. And Eliezer, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. So even at the end of this, when we're taught what, it never caught me before that Eliezer, Eliezer was actually noted as being alongside Joshua. That was part of it. So part of what made God, Joshua a good leader was that he was following God's counsel. And he was doing things the way God would have him do. But part of what helped him to stay focused as a leader was that that chief priest was somebody who was staying connected to God and, quite frankly, doing his job. He was, he was somebody who not only took his orders from Joshua, but was speaking truth into Joshua. And I just can't get over this. If there's one verse, Numbers 31, 31. So Moses and Eliezer, the priest, did as the Lord commanded Moses. Well, the only people in scripture who not only was known for how well he did in his lifetime, how well the elders after him did in their lifetime, but how many exceptional, holy, specifically holy descendants came after him half a million years later. I mean, a half a thousand years later, whatever that means. <laughs> half a millennium later. Um, I meant for that to be... A, Really solid comment, and I messed it up. Let me say it again. He was not only known for his own faithfulness, but so deep was his faithfulness and his commitment to teach it to others that it lasted his lifetime alongside Joshua because they were partners. And for the elders who lived after him, no forgetting two years later, and down to numerous descendants 500 years later, only time in the scripture I can think of where the issue was too many godly leaders. It's amazing. That's how powerful obedience can be. I truly believe it. That's how powerful obedience can be. So why do we keep slipping back into the disobedience, you know? I do. Why do we keep disrespecting the fire? I mean, doing nothing isn't obedience either, you know. Keeping away from the fire, you're going to get pretty cold. So that's my challenge today. Is there a way that I've been stepping away from the fire? Has there been a way I've been trying to fabricate it on my own? I don't think God's going to strike me down for that or anything, but I want that witness. 
Not that I'm perfect, not that I'm skilled, not that I'm popular, not that I sold a million books, although that's always on my mind, I'll be honest. I would love for my testimony, my one-hit wonder, be she obeyed. Because if I believe, that's what I'm going to do, right? If I believe that what God says is best, then I'm going to do it. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to walk away from it. And yet sometimes I still fail. Maybe more than sometimes. Thank the Lord for God's grace. God will still use me. And he can use you too. Let's pray. Lord, I just love this story. I love the witness of Eliezer. I love the idea that when we live pure and faithful lives, not flawless, but ones where our hearts are leaned totally into you, people may not remember our name. They don't seem to remember Eliezer's name, but that we can leave an impact. And then people will remember your name because of us, Lord, and may that be it. May we take such joy in serving you because our desire is for people to remember your name. Because that's the one that matters. And we know we'll be blessed in the process anyways, God. We know we cannot give you your name. Amen. Be blessed and find joy in the service of the Lord.